welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their fantastic hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 80. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Hope that you are having a wonderful summer. Um, Just got back from North Carolina, went to the beach for a week with my wife's family. There was 26 of us in one house, and I will just tell you that that can be a little crazy. (laughs) But uh, we had a good time uh, taking the kids to the beach. We saw a bunch of cool wildlife, uh, crazy birds and uh, crabs on the beach. We caught crabs one night. That was probably one of my favorite things, just catching uh, these these crabs. And uh, funny story, we, we caught the little ones, and they wouldn't pinch you or anything like that, or at least I thought. And so I'd caught a bunch of them and we'd let them go. And my wife, I said, you ought to hold one. We'll get your picture. So I I caught this little sucker. I put it in her hand. And when you know it, that thing pinched her. (laughs) So I was on my my wife's bad list. I said, hey, listen, they didn't pinch me. So, But no, we had a good time. Great trip. Good to be back. And I tell you, deer season is coming and I cannot wait for it. Um, You know, last year I got so into elk hunting that I just didn't even think about deer this year. It's it's like uh, trail cameras are out. My buddy Travis is out getting some video of some really good bucks and uh, just has a potential. It's always that potential that it could be a, a good year. Um, you know, I really appreciate you guys coming back. This is episode 80, and I've been trying to do one episode a week for the whole year, and I'm sticking with that. And that is just due to some great guests, uh, some guests that have reached out to me. Uh, that's today's guest or guests that I find on Instagram or uh, the Go Wild app or some forum or whatever. And so just love these guys and girls that want to come on the show and, and tell their stories. And if you're one of those, if you've been listening this, to this for a while, I think you know by now, you don't have to be a professional storyteller. You don't have to be a professional hunter. This show is made for the average Joe. Uh, that's what it's about for me. And by average, I don't mean not special. I just mean we're we're probably what the norm is. What you see on TV, the guys that can hunt every single day, guys hunting giant farms that you and I would never be able to afford, uh, guys that just, uh, you know, it, it's maybe not the normal hunting experience for most hunters out there. So this show is to hear your stories, and, and I sincerely say, Every story matters. I'd love to hear your story. I'm just honored with you know the uh, you guys sharing this, telling your friends about it, the word of mouth, um, and letting people know. And I just appreciate that. I was looking back over just uh, my stats, um, and you know this podcast as of today, and whenever I look at like downloads, and I'm not one like what numbers mean, but over like the last year or so that we've had this podcast going, to over twenty five thousand downloads. Um, you know, that's that's just crazy to me. It absolutely blows my mind. And then whenever I click on listener locations, uh, it tells me that uh, number one place is the United States, followed by Australia, then Canada, New Zealand, France. Um, biggest cities right now is Chicago, Illinois, which I had no idea. But there's some other places, Wichita, Kansas, Shaw, Washington, apparently is, is one of those places. Uh, Roosevelt, Utah. I don't, you know, just it just blows me away, uh, different folks that are, are tuning in. And, and if you're one of those people that come back regularly, I just want to say this before we get into our interview. Thank you. Um, I really, really appreciate that you consider this to be a podcast that you would want to listen to. So there's uh, the end of me blubbering on. Today we are going to have a guest that sent me a message on Instagram. His name is Ben McKinnis. Uh, Ben is 21. 
And uh, the thing kind of stood out to me about Ben as we were talking a little bit is that he's had a lot of success since he was 12 years old until now. He's not going a year without shooting a deer. And he's, he's humble about it. He's not cocky. He, he actually was a little hesitant to even say that because of how it sounds. But he's just had some really good success. So today we, we talk about a few of those stories, how he got into hunting. Uh, we dive into the, at the end a little bit about like some of the tactics behind what he does. Um, and uh, he also talks a little bit about a cow elk trip that he had in Montana. And uh, just a really cool guy, really good stories. And I think you're going to enjoy that. So uh, we're going to jump right in. Here is Ben. All right, guys, I got Ben McKinnis on the line from Washington. How is Ben doing tonight? Oh, doing pretty good. Just got off work and was able to shower and hang out in the house for right now. So, a little warm out that way. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty pretty warm out here. <laughs> cool. Well, Ben, what do you do for a living? I uh, work excavation. So we do uh, dirt work for houses. We dig foundations so they can put their footings in for the foundations. I guess. Um, so basically just working the dirt, playing the dirt, like a little kid. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome, man. That's good. My dad used to do some of that. He had a backhoe and he'd have me out there and I was great at video games, but I could never figure out how to get those handles to really do a whole lot, but he was, he was a wizard at it. So, (laughs) well, I got, it's all seat time. That's what I got to tell you. It's all, it's just like driving a car. You just got to have practice. Oh, cool, man. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little introduction into your world. Uh, well, I am, uh, 21. I live in Spokane, Washington. Uh, I've been hunting, I think since, I don't know, probably 12, 11, something like that. Um, mostly just whitetail over here. I mean, I've gone bear hunting, elk hunting, but not the best of luck over here. Um, do quite a bit of bird hunting as well. Um, but yeah, mainly just, I just being in in the woods just makes me happy. So whatever I can do to be out there and do that, I'm fine. So absolutely. What kind of birds do you chase? Uh, mostly upland. Um, a lot of ducks and geese around here. Uh, me and my brother love to hunt the, uh, Ponderay river up North of us. And we've made a few little blinds up there and have learned over the years how to kill some birds. So we never, I mean, I shouldn't say we never. We slay sometimes, but sometimes it's just going out with your brother and having a memory. So <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I I have yeah. a lot of buddies like that where we hunt a lot, but we don't actually kill a lot. But that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people can say that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool, man. Now, I Ben, I haven't been to Washington. All I know is uh, whenever you mentioned elk hunting, I love elk hunting. I'm I'm pretty new to it, but I I watch the born and raised guys, and it's real thick, real hilly. Uh, almost like a jungle, kind of a lot of ferns. Is that kind of where you're hunting whitetails at, or is it a little bit different terrain than that? You know, that's mostly mostly West Coast. Um, okay. I grew up over there, and we moved over to Spokane in 2007. Okay. But I, I, yeah, over there, it's thick, nasty. It seems like it's always raining or dew or anything like that. But over here, we have, I mean, we have a lot of pine trees, so... You get some wide open spaces with sagebrush or whatnot down south of Spokane, but mostly up north of Spokane and like towards the Canada border up there. It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it gets pretty steep and it's, it's pretty tree up there. So it's not really like a desert or like 
right like a swamp or not swamplands but heavy and thick or anything like that it's kind of a happy medium so gotcha oh cool yeah so you did you say that you grew up in that uh spokane uh well i was i was born over north of seattle and then we okay dad and mom moved us all over here so we could have that outdoor experience instead of driving two hours out of town and trying to kill something then so <laughs> so <laughs> well, i'm cool. very thankful for that <laughs> so your parents moved you so that you'd have a better opportunity so let's let's talk about that how did you get into hunting specifically well heck uh i mean my dad grew up hunting with his dad and my grandpa i guess and his older brother um i heck i remember as young as i was i remember watching my i was my i have an older brother it's five years older than me so i would sit in the uh the living room and watch my brother and dad drive away and I'd just be in tears because I couldn't go <laughs> hunting with them. And I was yeah. always too noisy, they said, but I just, I just wanted to get out and go. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But so, I mean, it, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I just, I, I grew up in it. I, I, I begged my dad to let me do hunter safety, did hunter safety first year went out and it just just it took off from there so mm. so did you start out hunting whitetails then yeah yeah originally we uh well my uh brother sister and dad um i used to when i rifle hunted but i archery hunt now so they uh go up to the okanagan and they we call it hunting camp they've my dad's gone with these guys for Oh gosh, probably 25 plus years, something like that. And they always go up there and hang out up there and do that. So I originally, that was probably one of my first ever like hunting experience was hiking. And we hike up like, I think four and a half, five miles up this old logging road. And it's, it's straight uphill. And I remember just, <laughs> I was dead tired by the end of the night, but I was so excited to wake up that next morning and just hike around. Oh man, did you sleep that night? I, all I remember growing up was right the the night before deer season came in. Now I didn't do hunting camp necessarily where we went someplace, but we'd always go to some guy's house and there'd be a bunch of guys. But the night before, it, if I got a wink of sleep, I'd be lucky because I'd just be so jacked up and excited as a kid. Oh gosh, I mean, I'm I I don't even think it's a kid thing. I'm still like that. <laughs> That's, okay, I'll be honest. I'm the Dude, same. <laughs> yeah, even in even in stupid bird season, it's just it, I I don't know what it is. Just being able to be out there and enjoy your where you are and what you're doing is just the number one thing I think, and that's just always always given me gibber. Jig, oh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, I know, man. It's but, a, yeah. that excitement that comes. And part of it, like right now, is probably a prime example. It's end of July. I'm, I didn't mess with trail cams at all last year. And I think probably that's because I was so jacked up over elk season. I was going elk hunting last year. And so yeah, I didn't sure. even think about deer season. Now it's like I can't wait for deer. I'm not elk hunting this year. So I can't wait for deer season to get here. But it's still like, you know, end of September. So I got a ways to wait. So I'm messing with trail cameras. I'm doing different things just to kind of keep myself occupied. So whenever that day finally comes, whenever you can get into the woods with a, a weapon in your hand, you know, it's, it's exciting. You know, it's, there's just oh, nothing awesome. like that. Yeah. yeah. So tell yeah, us about, totally. 
I want to dive into some of your your favorite stories, but I want to hear about uh, your first. Um, I'm just curious how that how did you get your first deer? All right, so first year we didn't we ended up going to the Okanagan, like I said, and we didn't kill anything up there. It's three point minimum up there, so it's it's pretty tough to kill decent deer up there. Um, so we didn't get any luck there. So Dad and I um, one day after school we uh, decided we were gonna. I think it was the weekend after opening uh, weekend. We decided we were gonna go up uh, north of us. We have a called uncle tom my dad's best friend uh owns some property across the street from his and it's just this open field with a gully in it and uh i think it's like 180 acres something like that but uh we decided to go over there so we hiked up and over into the gully and uh we we were sitting on this rock on the west side of the gully and i mean i've I wasn't getting bored, but I was, I was kind of <laughs> twiddling with my thumbs and probably not being the quietest kid looking back. But uh, I remember I was I was I'm not one for if it's a giant buck or anything like that. If it's coming in and it's legal for me, I'm gonna shoot it. So whatever puts food on the table. Absolutely. Um. So uh, this um two doe come up the like i think it was probably about 120 yards from us up through the gully and it's thick nasty stuff down there and so i couldn't get a clear shot on one of them at least so uh dad's like it's okay just be patient there'll be more just hold on we we have all the season we're okay so i settled back down and we uh sat there for a little bit longer and it was honestly probably 10 15 minutes from like end of shooting light and uh this one stupid doe just decided to come back up the gully and uh about <laughs> i don't know probably about 100 yards wasn't a far shot at all um she came through the thick stuff and stopped in probably the looking back one of the only openings i had ever had and so uh i had the gun ready and uh i flip off the safety and i still remember my dad saying all right when you have the shot you can and i just pulled the trigger <laughs> <laughs> and uh he, after uh my ears stopped ringing and his ears stopped ringing he looks at me he goes you can take the shot and so <laughs> he was in the middle of the sentence and I was already with it and I was going for it. So, oh, that's awesome. um, yeah, but, uh, double lunged, it went probably 20, 30 yards at the most ran up the hill towards us, thankfully. So it was a bit less of a drag out of the gully, but, um, yeah, we went down to it first. We, uh, saw where we shot. Well, I hit her at, and then we, we knew where she died. Dad just kind of wanted to, which I think was great because it's helped me out a lot. Um, show me how to track a blood trail or something like that. And then mm, we yeah. followed it all the way up and found her land there. And then we gutted her right there, took her home and skinned her. So, but <laughs> that's always been one of my favorites just because, I mean, <laughs> mid sentence. Yeah, yeah, it was just mid sentence. And that's how I am, I guess. It's just like, 
if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So, Oh, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. That's cool. So first, how about how old were you, Ben? Uh, I believe I was 12 then. Okay. So 12, now you're 21. So how has deer hunting gone from 12 to 21? Uh, well, not to sound cocky or anything, but I have not had the opportunity to not kill a deer since then. So Whoa. Okay. So, so you've not gone a year without a deer. No, I have not. No, sir. Oh man. That's, and, and uh, that's not cocky. That's just the reality. You've had yeah. tremendous success. So that's, that's sweet. So tell us about some of those stories between 12 and 21. How, what, what stories uh, you've killed a lot of deer, so we don't have time <laughs> to cover them all, but <laughs> so maybe get us into some bow hunting. Tell us a little bit of some of your favorite stories there, Ben. Yeah. So I think one of my probably my top bow hunting story, my favorite one was two years after shooting that doe, I decided to my old neighbor got dad into archery hunting. So I'd always watch dad shoot and everything. So dad uh, dad finally bought me a uh, Hoyt Ignite, my first bow. Um, and uh, gosh, I love that thing. I shot it all summer and I said, dad, you know what? I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna archery hunt this year, and well, okay, if you want to. So, uh, I I'm always a YouTuber. I always watch YouTube videos to see how people should do this and stuff. Yep. So I uh, went on Craigslist. Dad and I went on Craigslist. We found a uh, climbing tree stand, and uh, I got that. Dad didn't have a climber at the time. I uh, bought that. I uh, kind of put some feet out across. Um, Uncle Tom's spot again so in that same gully that I killed that doe um, and uh, I put a trail camera up and I was still kind of I have no idea what I'm doing but uh, ended up first day comes along I had school so I couldn't do anything in the morning so after school um, dad picked me up from school we came home I grabbed my bin full of stuff and we went up there changed and uh I headed down there and dad sat at the edge of the field and, uh, I, I looking back, I was just, how did I forget this? But I totally forgot to limb the tree that I was looking at, um, <laughs> to climb. <laughs> so, uh, I get there and I didn't have a saw either. So I put my tree stand onto the tree, just hook it up. And I had to run all the way back up the field uh, to uncle Tom's shop grab a saw run all the way back down there and limb this thing but uh finally get up in there settled in and uh i i kind of watched a few deer funnel in and out a few does a few fawns and uh eventually <clears throat> i had two two really good bucks that i was pretty surprised about on the camera um those two ended up stepping out first and uh they're still in velvet at this time. Mm. Um, and uh, they kind of skirted. I mean, where I was sitting, I probably have about 200 yards of field that I'm looking out to my left. And then to my right, I just have the canyon or the gully. And uh, so I watched these things come up from the far corner for me out of the gully and into the field. And it's alfalfa. So they started feeding on the alfalfa. And uh, a few other does come in, and then this little uh, three-point 
cuffs in same corner that they, the bigger bucks came out of, and uh, kind of was trying to feed with the bigger bucks, but you could tell he was getting pushed away quite a bit, and uh, so they started heading up north of the field, and I was thinking, oh well, that was cool, but I don't think I'm gonna get a chance or anything, and. Um, then it was just like a flip was a switch. It was just the two bigger bucks started just like, it was a really cool thing to watch. They were just harassing this thing. <laughs> and it, it just beeline towards my tree. And I didn't even have time to stand up or anything. I was sitting there. I had an arrow knocked and I had my release already clipped to my bow. And so he comes in and it, he was probably 23 yards, something like that. But I mean, it was my first year. So I was like, I have to range this thing. I have to find out what he's going to do or where he is. So I slowly grabbed my rangefinder out of my jacket, rangefinder, it. And I think it was 26 yards. Um, and he was still coming at me. So uh, I'm, I finally got a chance to stand up and I stood up. <clears throat> so I was just, waiting for this thing to give me a broadside shot and probably about 15 20 seconds later he finally stepped to his left and i as he was stepping i drew back and i remember just just thinking oh please just be calm be calm <laughs> and i i shot and i could tell the way it just sounded there was that thwack and he jumped up kicked and uh, went to the corner, kind of where he came into the field, stood there and kind of did the death wobble and just collapsed. Oh, and, man. Uh, it was awesome. And so I was sitting there and I was just giving myself time to stop shaking and watching this thing expire. And I watched these two bigger bucks run right over to this thing and start stomping on it, start pushing it around. Whoa. Like it's just, it, was a, it was amazing. It was just like, they were throwing this thing around like a mouse. It looked like it was wow. just, yeah, I had ne I still have never seen that before. Never even experienced I, that before. I've seen Turkey. I mean, turkeys will do that, uh, but I've never, I, the only thing I've ever seen is I shot a doe one time during rut and the buck, I saw a buck down there, like nudging the doe, like, Hey, get up. Get up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never, I've never yeah. seen a buck. Wow. That's crazy. No, it was, I, I was thinking, hey, come on, like, I, stop, guys, he's mine, but it was just, <laughs> looking back, it was such a cool, I mean, I'm sure some people, I mean, that's not really cool, but I thought it was just, it was amazing to see, yeah, see that. Wow, so there he is, big buck down, that's exciting. Yeah, so that one, that one was really fun for me, and then I gotta climb out of the tree, run up, and scream to my dad, and got to scream together and we went down there and took care of it so oh that's cool ben that's a sweet story yeah <laughs> so well cool well, you get that one down um you mentioned um you know that you've had that streak going for a good while so any other whitetail stories kind of jump off the you know the radar for you yeah well i shot um what was it probably 2016 I had, I'm pretty sure there was the same two big bucks that were um, on my camera that first year I was hunting. And they, I mean, they kept growing over time, growing over time, and they just ended up nocturnal. And I didn't see one of them in the daylight at all or mm -hmm. anything. And uh, so 2016, I was out, same tree. I, I 
have not changed like anything while I'm hunting that spot. Same tree, same everything. And uh, so I had him a couple days before I was out. This is probably two weeks into the season, something like that. Um, a couple days right at dusk, right at shooting light, end of shooting light, feeding um, right by my trail camera. And so I uh, went out and uh, sat in the same tree and uh, I had a few little bucks come in. I mean, right under me, a few does, a decent little four point, but it was just kind of like I wanted to at that time. I was like, I want to see if I can kill this thing. So um, he finally ended up coming in and uh, stopped at. I think it was 38 yards i drew back shot and he ducked so he ducked my arrow that day and uh i got out of the tree looked for blood on my arrow there was nothing so clean miss and uh two days later i thought i scared him out of washington at that point i didn't think <laughs> i was gonna get him ever um so a couple days later uh he same route same everything he starts coming in again, so I got ready. <clears throat> that time he stopped right right around 40, 41, I think. So he kind of knew something was, something was up with this area, but I guess wasn't smart enough. Um, stopped there, uh, drew back, shot, uh, and he went about kind of like the same direction that other little three-point went. Um and died probably about 30, 40 yards. Um, but he, he scored our old neighbor that got me into uh, archery hunting. His wife's a taxidermist. So uh, he scored 134 and a quarter or something like that. So I was uh, pretty Yeah, pretty happy that's a good buck. buck. Yeah, it's still in velvet. So, uh, oh, man. I, yeah, I got him mounted like that. So that, that's <laughs> one of my favorite bucks, too. So. that's cool it's cool that you get the opportunity to chase them um so you know with ohio by the time season comes in it's pretty much all hard horned bucks but i did find out this year that there's controlled hunts in ohio that actually allow you to start hunting august 22nd so i put oh, in for really? those yeah i put in for those hunts this year i, I didn't di didn't know anything about them and um so i put in for like 10 hunts so if i get drawn for one of those i'll at least have a shot potentially this year at a, a velvet buck but you know wow. it's it's hard to get drawn in those places but that's that's cool that you get a velvet buck like that yeah it was it was a cool it was a cool thing and i was super stoked i i was actually i i think i shook more on that buck just because of the weight i had and of watching this thing for i mean heck four three years something like that and i was climbing down and i was i don't tether when i climb up or anything i tether when i finally get up yeah but uh i was climbing down and my feet were going a little faster than my hands were so my uh bottom half of my climber fell to the bottom of the tree <laughs> only about 15 feet or so but it was still like oh Man, maybe I maybe I should just take it a little slower. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I remember that. I was I had a little cord whenever I ran a climber and made sure that the bottom was attached to the top because I had that happen to me before. Man, that's that's a bad feeling whenever the bottom drops out on you. <laughs> oh yeah, you know I after that year, my dad's like, you know, you should probably put a cord on that thing. Ever since then, I've yep. had a cord on that thing. So absolutely. 
That's cool. Well, Ben, you uh, you kind of mentioned a little bit at the beginning too um, uh, that you've uh, you know being out in Washington, you've been able to go some other places and hunt. Now, now, have you been able to go out of state at all, or you, you pretty much just stay in Washington? Last year, I uh, drew a cow elk tag in Montana, but that is the only opportunity. Well, I've had opportunities to put in, but that is the only time I've actually put in to get drawn. So, oh, cool. How did that go? Uh, we were unsuccessful. Me and a old buddy of mine, we've grown up together. We he goes to MSU, so uh, he was kind of in my ear. Hey, you should put in for this. We should go down here and try this or whatever. So uh, I put in for it, and I I had no no even not even a clue that I would get drawn or anything. There was like a. I, my buddy Tyler, he said there was like a 14% chance of getting drawn in this place for a cow tag. And lucky enough, of course, I was one of them. So <laughs> That's sweet. That was that was a really cool experience. Um, we were hunting down in the Gravelies, so I don't know if you heard about all the grizzly attacks last year in Montana, but that's where about 80% of them were held. Oh, so really? It was a, wow. Yeah, it was a little, little nerve-wracking going down there. But it was the it was the most cool experience and just being able to get out and see some new territory, new country and just be with a buddy and do that. Um, But the first time we went over there, I remember not to be sad sob or anything. It was I was uh, there's a little town north of the Gravelies called Ennis and I was sitting in Ennis and I. I wrote a note to my family like, hey, I uh, love you guys. If I don't make it back, just <laughs> want to let you know that I loved you. Thanks for my life. I uh, uh, probably died doing what I love to do. So <laughs> I, I, I put it with my tags, and luckily nice. I never had to give it to them or have them find it or anything. So. Hey, I did the same thing for my wife um, on my first elk trip. This was 2016, going r- rifle hunting, and Is I had no Colorado? idea. Yeah, going Colorado, I I thought, man, I don't, I mean, obviously no grizzlies, but I thought I could fall off a cliff or who knows what could happen. So I made her a bunch of videos to watch each day, and I said, only play this one if I don't come back. <laughs> so <laughs> and whenever, that the I was like, one she watched too? <laughs> no, no, no. I told her I was like, do not watch that. And so whenever I got back, I was like, delete that. It was real sobby. And yeah, I know it's, you know, it's it's not a bad thing to do because you want closure or something. And that's the thing, yeah. you know, with hunting, oh, yeah. something could could go sideways quick question how so going into grizzly country guys might be curious about this i am what do you do to prepare for that ben do you um you have like a sidearm that you're taking with you do you do bear spray what what's your what was your plan going into grizz country well i uh honestly this is the first time ever so i was kind of looking up stuff and my uh, uncle Tom again. He uh, he was a guide over in Montana for gosh twenty some years, so uh, I talked to him quite a bit, and uh, I read a lot about how bear spray is more deterring and everything like that. But I I just I I carried bear spray, but it was in my pack, and I had a I had a forty four Smith and Wesson um, on my hip. Yeah. Um, and that honestly, uh, Tyler had a 10 millimeter. So we were, especially during archery, cause it was like, I mean, we're calling and you never know if there's going to be something that's curious and coming into your call or whatever. So I was, I was more comfortable with the 
firearm perspective of it, but yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people are out there. Well, you don't want to kill them or anything. Honestly, I would rather take my chances with a court date or whatever at me killing this bear than me spraying it with whatever and me getting mauled half to death. So yeah, it's absolutely. like it's just it. It was it made me more comfortable, I guess, with a firearm. Yeah, I, I've looked into that. I've, I'm looking maybe to go to Wyoming at some point, and there's definitely some areas there where you got to be careful. And yeah, I, I've debate. I don't know what I'll do whenever I go because it's it's. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the scenario. Like, I I just I just think there's probably more chances that yeah, I'd rather have a gun. Let's just put it that way. I'd rather have a gun just because you know, in that in that quick moment where you got to decide, you know, you hope yeah. that never happens. But so, oh, how did yeah. the rest of your so how did your cow hunt go? Did you have any quick, um, you know, any encounters? Anything go? Uh, how the rest of your Montana trip go? Well, our uh, our first trip over. Well, my first trip over. I met him down there. We uh, <clears throat> opening day. Well, no. So the night. Before opening day, I took some time off work, drove down there, got there super late. We hiked in, um, and heck, there's already, I mean, there's already about six inches of snow on the ground, and it's freezing cold. So we get our tent set up. We hiked about three miles in there, got our tent set up, and ate some dinner, and kind of just hunkered down until we fell asleep. Uh, woke up the next morning. Uh, and it was the little gully that we were in. We couldn't really see well when we were coming in. Uh, it was just socked in with fog. And so our game, we had four days to hunt that like weekend. And then I think it was a Monday, Tuesday. Um, so our plan was for that day was to get up and kind of look to see like on the north sides or the, sorry, the south sides of these hills, seeing if they're, where they're sunbathing or whatever, trying to find where these things are active. So that, that morning it was kind of like, you know, maybe we just hunker down for a little bit, wait until mid morning and then go out and we can check from there. So we ended up doing that. We fell back asleep, got up and, uh, there's about another six inches of snow. So we had about a foot of snow. Um, we got up and it was blue blue skies and clear. So we uh, hiked the ridge above us, saw four or five just monster mule deer that we were just drooling over the whole time. Um, <laughs> it was, those were cool to watch. But uh, we sat up on top of the ridge above our camp for most of that day. Didn't really see much. I mean, besides the mule deer, didn't see any elk that day. So that night went to bed, woke up next morning early, and we decided to try the same ridge, but back up, like, I guess, south, not really back up, but south of the ridge, dropped down into this canyon, and then there was another big ridge. So we went over there, called a little bit, but we didn't really want to scream anything out there, but... We, we ended up not seeing anything that weekend at all. No elk, nothing. We saw a few tracks, but that was it. Um, but it just it put us in, I guess, a mindset of what we need to prepare for or what we need to do differently for rifle season. So uh, rifle season comes around, and uh, I take his little brother 
over with us just kind of just in case we called him the pack mule the whole time so we took him over there and we went i think about six and a half to seven miles in that time into this bigger bowl um up in the mountains more so we got up there and it was it was awesome hiking up in there we were hiking in shorts and t-shirts it was like 65 degrees and uh so we went to bed and uh oh one thing it was it was a funny thing we got up there and we had not seen anybody the last week when we were up there for archery and nobody and we get up there and we get to a spot where we're like oh we could set the tent here or whatever and we look down the down the little tree cut line and there's a tent right there so we walked down there introduced ourselves to this guy and just asked if it was okay if we were up here with me oh yeah it's totally fine super nice guy so we ended up uh camping there woke up the next morning and uh it was probably like 14 degrees and there was about a foot and a half of snow on the ground (laughs) and so it was just it was a really big turn in the weather so we uh hiked up to this spot that we uh decided to um kind of glass and look around this it's a big flat bowl um and on the other side is the um east side of the gravelly so a lot of people that get this tag or are uh, montana residents are able to well i mean we could have too but they hunt that side and it's a lot easier that side because you get four wheelers back up in there dirt bikes or whatever so a lot of these elk um get pushed up and over this ridge we'd been hearing from a few guys that hunted this place so uh we sat kind of in the middle of the bowl and uh, we're just glassing glassing we saw a few uh mountain goats um and then probably about i don't know probably about one o'clock two o'clock we uh saw a spike bowl running down the uh south side of the the big draw and i mean it was probably at least i don't know 1400 yards away something like that i have a cow tag tyler has to shoot um a uh, three-point minimum on a bull. So okay. it wasn't legal or anything, but it was cool to watch um, this thing come down and uh, work its way up and back over the little ridge we were watching. And uh, so it's starting to get a little darker, and we uh still spotting and everything. And I look up to the right-hand side, kind of where the cow was, and I uh, – I noticed this weirdly shaped bush, I guess. It was probably about 600 yards or so. Um, And uh, I noticed it kind of moved. And it was that light shade of brown. And I was like, you know, that's got to be an elk tush. Like, just looking at it, looking at it. And then finally, (laughs) picked a tent up, and it's a cow. And so I was like, all right, let's go. And I said, Ty, there's a cow right over here. You guys can come with me. You guys can stay, whatever you want to do. Um, so they ended up coming along the ridge with me. It was, it was about 6:50, I think. So I just wanted to, she had no idea we were there. I just wanted to close that gap just a little bit. And so I, uh, ended up, uh, going down the ridge and then like at the bottom of the ridge, I kind of jogged along the bottom of the ridge and then came back up. So it was about, I think it was about a 450 yard shot from where I was. And 
Tyler and his brother were about 100 yards down the ridge from me. And uh, so I, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I cannot find this thing at all. I have no idea where it went. I'm looking at the same spot. I look back at Ty, kind of give him a little hand signal, and he just throws his hands up like, I have no idea. So I grab my, after about 15 or 20 minutes, I grab my, uh, my rifle, and I just kind of start walking back towards uh, Ty and his brother. And uh, we get, or I get about 15, 20 yards from him and Cameron, his brother, Ben, get over here and get down. So I kind of ran over there, slid into the snow, got right next to him. And uh, right about now, it's starting to snow a little. And uh, Cam goes, you see this open draw right over here? And about, I think we ranged, it was about 750, right, right below us. There was this uh, group of about, gosh, probably about a, 11 elk, 11 or 12 elk, if I remember right, coming into this little uh, clearing, and they were just kind of feeding as they went. They had no idea we were there again. And uh, so Cameron had his range finder. He's ranging, 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 and he's, okay, they're at 750, they're at 740 right now, so I'm getting doped in with my rifle. And I'm all ready to go, and Tyler the same way. He's getting all ready to go. And there was one bull that was uh, three-point uh, or better. So Ty had him, and I had one of the cows. And we were just going to, all right, we shoot on three or whatever. So these things are coming in, coming in, coming in. And they get about, I think it was like 680 or something like that. And it just like the weather just absolutely said you guys are not even gonna try this so the wind started blowing the snow started coming sideways and and elk in that weather they're just gonna bunch together and they moved through that little drawing through that little clear cut up into the trees that whole way that bunched group of elk walking up that way and uh so I, looking back, I could have taken a shot, but at the time, and even now, I wouldn't have, just because yeah. I, I have no idea where my bullet's, well, I, I have an idea where my bullet's going to go, but you still have that chance of, well, if it did this, it accidentally hits this. So looking back, I thought it was the absolute right thing to do by not pulling that trigger and letting these things just go about their business. So Yeah, and, and you live with that. I mean... That's that's probably the best choice to be be made during that you know that time. So that's good, man. Oh yeah. Then yeah. then the uh, the next morning we woke up. That I only had uh, two days off of work for this weekend. So the next morning we woke up, went up to the same spot. We said, "Well, it's working, so why not try that? We don't need to go to a different area. They still have no idea that we're in here." So uh, got up that next morning, went up there, didn't see a single thing about until like three o'clock four o'clock and um cameron noticed uh spike coming down the same ridge kind of where the last one came down a little bit closer to us so we were watching this thing and it disappears and we're talking about just all the all the grizzly stories and everything that went on over there and whatever and we look up probably about 300 yards or so and i was like guys if i'm wrong tell me but is that a grizzly right there 
And this, this, I'm not even kidding you. This thing is probably about 300 yards away from us. Just eyeing us down, staring at us up in the snow. And he's sticking out like a sore thumb and we're all putting up binos. And it's like, oh gosh, like the hair on my neck stood up. At probably, oh man. I mean, for the rest of that weekend, but I have never felt, I guess, more <laughs> insecure or like just wary about my surroundings and everything since since that it's just it was a really really cool experience but it was just it was pretty terrifying we we just kind of sat there and we i mean nobody took eyes off of that thing the whole time but it ended up just cutting up the ridge and disappearing back uh behind us so uh we still kind of sat there and i mean now we're glued to everything and anything and uh cameron noticed uh this elk that was walking up kind of where the grizzly came out of um but it was kind of along the tree line so we couldn't see antlers or anything so ty and i both get into a position i think it was about a 300 yard shot um to be able to shoot this thing and uh cameron uh is on his binos and all right it's a ball one two three okay it's a three-point ball it's legal so uh Ty gets ready to shoot and uh then another another little little bull I think it was just it was just a little raghorn wasn't legal comes out a little closest to us a little closer to us excuse me and um kind of starts walking up the way where that elk was going and um I I had to have winded us couldn't have seen us or anything but um stuck his nose up and was just kind of kind of eerie about where he was and what was going on and he took off into the woods just like a bullet and I was like Ty you better get a shot off because this thing is going to go too and soon enough that thing just boom gone so so that was that was really disappointing that we I mean we had the opportunities to and looking back we would have done a lot to uh change our approaches on things i think just out of experience out of hunting that area and the elk in that area you learn so much you do i mean you look back on that and you're like i would have done this different i would have done this different but you you didn't because you were in that moment and it's 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 learning and the next time yeah you'll do things differently but you know, it's, it's still time with friends and it's fun to be out there. And I mean, that's <laughs> seeing a grizzly. I guess if I would, if I'm going to see a grizzly 300 yards would probably be about what I'd want to see him at and no closer. <laughs> oh yeah. I was going to say no closer than that. No, thank you. I uh, mean, Yellowstone, it's a different story when you're driving yeah. around. Hey, there's a grizzly, but no, not while you're sleeping out there with it so <laughs> well ben i i have two questions for you to kind of wrap things up here i want to go back yeah. to whitetail and i might have to have you back on sometime to hear more of your whitetail stories because you said you, you went not a year without uh, killing a deer so i'm just curious you know from a tactics standpoint what do you think contributes to your success being able to harvest a deer kind of steady from the time you're 12 until you're, you're 21? What, you know, as guys are getting ready, I know we kind of just do stories on this podcast, but I'm just curious as guys are getting ready for the deer season, maybe they, is there any, like, t- what's your top tip or your top, uh, you know, takeaway from what you would say has led to your success? Well, honestly, I have, uh, I've just been extremely blessed with, the opportunities that I've had to hunt these places and whatnot. Um, 
But my main thing I would say is just time, just being able to, I mean, probably once a week, twice a week, whenever I get a chance, I go up to uh, where I hunt and uh, I watch, well, north of us, Uncle Tom's place, I'll watch these deer through binos, watch what they do, kind of pattern them, see if any bucks are coming out at this time, that time, whatever. Um, Two years ago, I tried a uh, different tree down the gully a little more. And uh, it just didn't, I put a camera on it with a feeder. It didn't have the, uh, the amount of deer I thought would be wanting to be in the cover down there. So I pulled that back out and uh, put it back to the same tree. And I killed a buck that year too. Uh, but honestly, just time and developing that sense of where these deer come and when they come or just, I mean, pattering them, I guess, because that's, that's all I've been doing. And it's, I, I haven't changed anything since then. So that's, that's it, man. I, I think, um, a lot of guys, they get in their head, they listen to these celebrities, um, and they think, you know, they're these well-known famous hunters and they think I can do just what they're doing. But I, I was just listening to a podcast not that long ago with Mark Drury and yep. Mark was talking about all these things and talking all these tactics. He goes, but Hey, he, he goes, and he admitted, he goes, here's the deal. He goes, starting in September, I can hunt every day for four months. You know, I can hunt the entire season. And he goes, now, if you can't do that, and I'm thinking who can do that? <laughs> if, yeah. if, if hunting yeah. isn't your livelihood, which yeah. for 99% of us, it's not, then yeah, you, you're not going to be able to do that. But you are going to have to choose, you know, are you going to put the time in because time in the stand or time in different stands, whatever, however you want to look at that, you know, if you're one of those lucky guys that goes out the first time, good for you. But for me, it, last year, I think it what was 17 hunts, it took me 17 hunts uh, to draw back and to kill my buck, you know, and that that's, that's a lot more hunts than what some guys are able to do. You know, it just takes oh, some time if that's that. what you want to do. So. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and the number one thing, too, is just patience. Like you are saying, 17 days. I mean, heck, I have never personally ever hunted late season over in Washington. But, I mean, I've watched my brother do it. I've watched my dad do it. I've watched my sister do it. And it's just, it's patience. It's a waiting game. There's no, no, like, you're not going to get a deer every year. You never know that. So it's just, you got to, yeah. you got to be in the right place at the right time. Just be able to have that chance and that opportunity to pull the trigger or whatever. Yeah. Well, last, last question, and we'll switch gears just a little bit here, Ben. Um, uh, you reached out to me on Instagram, so I, I went on your Instagram and checked things out, and I noticed um, right below your name you have Hebrews 13, five and yeah. that that's not a verse that kind of like came to me now first i'll ask do you, do you remember what that verse is because and i wouldn't fault you if you didn't but do you know what 13 5 says oh yes i have it tattooed on my left forearm <laughs> oh, well then it's easier okay tell us what that verse says it says uh for god said i will never leave you or and I, I will never forsake you Okay, so you got that tattooed on your forearm. So I'm just curious, what does, you know, I see people post different verses, and that's not one I was really familiar with. I had to look it up. Why that verse? Why does that verse, um, what's the significance of that to you? You know, I've, I've been raised as a, as a Christian in my, uh, in my household, and that's one thing I do take very seriously. And um, my parents are Christian, brother and sister are too. And uh, 
when I was a sophomore in high school, I went and got a uh, tattooed cross, uh, tattoo uh, of a cross on my left inside of my forearm. And uh, it just kind of like, I, I don't want to say I was going through the motions, but I think every Christian out there, nobody's perfect. But we have gone through the motions a few times. And I think looking back, I was kind of going through the motions. I said I was a Christian and all this other stuff. And But over probably about the last two years of my life, uh, the Lord has has changed my life a lot. And I have become extremely close to, uh, to God and to faith, even more into my Bible and everything like that. And uh, so I kind of have, I have my cross and then I have a compass rose around the cross with uh, a mountain range going around my whole forearm. And then in the middle of the mountain range, I have that Hebrews 13, five. So it's just like whenever in your, your darkest days, your mountains, your trees, wherever you are to the North, East, South or West, wherever you are, he's always going to be there. Always going to be looking over you, making sure you're okay. Yeah. You're going to have those valleys, but you're always going to end up on top for, for him and everything like that. So I think Mm -hmm. that's been, been one of the biggest things in my life that, I cannot even express enough about, but that's awesome, man. That's really solid. I I think, yeah, I I really do think that that's something important to remember. I don't, I don't know where guys are at right now, especially with all this, um, COVID stuff. And I know the world's always been kind of crazy, but to me, maybe I'm crazy, but it, it seems like it's a little extra crazy right now with, you know, you got all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, we got a pandemic on our hands and a bunch of other things and, you can just kind of get to this point where you feel uh, maybe depressed, maybe frustrated, struggling, but that verse, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So even though we might not feel like God isn't there, I think that verse tells us that he's, he's actually closer than what we think. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. Right on the, right on the head. Yeah. Mm. That's good, man. Well, Ben, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you making some time today, a uh, hot day, and uh, getting a quick shower and coming on the show and sharing your stories with us. Definitely want to have you back on sometime, so um, I'll, I'll keep your contact information. I want to hear some more of those buck stories and, and deer stories, but I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Yeah, deal. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was really fun. Absolutely. Well, I hope that you have a good uh, rest of the week and uh, stay cool out there in Washington. Will do. Thank you. All right, guys, that pretty much wraps it up for us today. I think Ben said it all. Hope that you guys have a fantastic week. And remember to shed the light.